From KMUW Wichita. From Toronto, Ontario. And from Armia, Spain. This is your saying it wrong. Let's talk words. Let's talk tricky pronunciations and what happens when we approach non-English words with a little too much gusto. I'm Fletcher Powell, host and producer at KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. And joining me, as they do every week from their homes in their various corners of the world, Kathy Petrus and Ross Petrus. Kathy Petrus at your home in Armia, Spain. How's Armia today, Kathy? Armia is wonderful today, thank you. It's warm and sunny, and I I feel like spring is coming because it's, you know, January. Ross Petrus up there in Toronto. How's it going, Ross? Yeah, it's 28 degrees Fahrenheit here, and um, it's relatively, I mean, it's it's fine, but... uh, I like it cold, so I can't complain, really. I like it hot. Well, you, you're both in the right places. Good, <laughs> yes. good work finding places in the world that worked for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get going with the main part of the show today, you guys had something kind of interesting come up that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. Every year for the past 15 years, Wayne State University in Michigan, they do their Word Warriors Project. It's kind of like the opposite of uh, Word of the Year lists that we usually do. They're putting out lists of uh, archaic words, old words in English, words that people aren't using anymore, but they think should come back to life. <laughs> and we agree. These are some of our favorites of their word warrior of this of this past year. I want to interject and say they don't just pick it. They actually have public submissions. Anybody can like submit words. And then over the time... They um, announce a new word each week, and they keep seeing which words are engaging people the most. And at the end of the year, they choose 10. And those are the words that they've decided are the ones that should come back. Oh, okay. So we start, we picked a couple of our favorites. And I mean, let's see if you can guess what they mean. The first one is thunderplump. I love this word. (laughs) Thunderplump. Isn't that fabulous? (laughs) (laughs) Thunderplump is a Big juicy rain cloud. Yeah, kind of close. Oh. It's 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 pretty close. It's a heavy fall of rain during a thunderstorm. Okay, so like like um, it makes sense. Like a like a you're having a thunderstorm and then there's a particularly large swell of rain that comes down for a little while. Yeah, yeah. You're running home and you're going. I'm gonna get caught in this thunderplump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A big fat dollops of rain falling. I on love you. it. And I mean, we all know that. I think it's a really good word. <laughs> The next one is one that I actually do hear every now and then. The word is blatherskite, oh. which is exceptionally handy during the political season, I gotta say. <laughs> blatherskite, I have heard, I don't know that I've ever really heard it used, I mean, in, in conversation, certainly, but I've heard the word. Is, so the way you mm. presented it just now, I'm thinking it has something to do with maybe a whole lot of nonsense being spewed. Yes, you've got it exactly. <laughs> it's basically, and it's a Scottish origin word. And it is someone who, a voluble purveyor of nonsense, a bluster. <laughs> I think it's a great word. Nowadays. I love that. I really love that. I, that's one of those words I don't think I've ever heard anyone use, but I've, I've read it. Yeah. I've read it. I don't it. think yeah. I've, ever, I've ever heard someone say, oh, he's such a blather scum. Well, and, and I love the definition Ross just gave, just the words, uh, the, a voluble purveyor of nonsense. Yes, that's I know. Wonderful. I love that. Yeah, that's wonderful. The next one is one of Ross's favorites. 
You're never going to guess this, because I sure wouldn't. No. It's another Scot. I'll, I'll just say, it's another one from the Scottish. And it's Kurglaff. C-U-R-G-L-A-F-F. Kurglaff. C-U-R-G-L-A-F-F. No, you're, you're right. There, that, there's nothing in there that resembles anything at all to me. <laughs> okay, here's the sentence. This is the sentence they gave as an example, was, he dove into the pool without thinking. And the Kurglaff caused him to shriek when he came up for air. The shock at how cold the water was. Yes, the shock what you feel when you first plunge into cold wow. water. And I guess I have to say, I used to, I used to love taking ice cold showers, oh, so boy. I really know Kurglaff. See, is a word. I, I'm completely the opposite. I mean, I, I I know that sensation of the Kurglaff, but I have such a distaste for it that I almost never jump into water. I hate it. I hate it. Well, it's a wise thing. You can get like a heart attack from it. So I don't know. I did it in um, the Arab baths here. I had gone to last year. I think it was. And they have the one that's like the, the refrigeratorium or whatever they call mm-hmm. it. And then you go from the ice cold into the hot and back and forth. And I loved it. I do too. But the problem is I used to do it sometimes in Lake Ontario in the winter too. I've done it. No, that's bad. And the problem, <laughs> that's not the, the same. problem is like, particularly as you get older, it's just not a good idea. No, Because you can get that like heart a, attack chance. Huh? Yeah, no. But I, I used to love it too. I love that sort of, you know, the invigoration you feel. You feel great after that, but whatever. I just want to say the other, some of the other words they had was dollop, which I see hmm. uh, I, and I use. Yeah, dollop is is commonly used. Is this a different definition for dollop? No, no. No, same thing. And this one really, I got really wonder about too, coffee clatch. Coffee Mm. clatch. Do you know that one? I know. Yeah. I'm a group of people getting together over coffee to talk about things. Yeah. Did you hear that, Catherine? When we were kids, I remember hearing it in Jersey. I remember it from like women magazines. Yeah. Like mom used to get like women's day and stuff and they would say, you know, bake this cake for your next coffee clatch yeah i remember it distinctly but i I think it might be fading i mean obviously they chose it and what about pocky pocky p-a-w-k-y oh the only pocky i know are those little uh those little wafer sticks covered in chocolate Oh, pocky sticks yeah Yeah. (laughs) no Uh, (laughs) it's not a pocky well if we're not talking about those i don't care (laughs) 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 Uh, no pocky p-a-w-k-y i don't know yeah it means having a uh what's it it's like having a sense of humor cynical cynical and it comes from the scots and northern english pock which is trick but no one ha- has any idea where pork comes from, so we're going to leave it at that. <laughs> I kind of like the word, though. Porky? Yeah. And then we've done this, Fletcher. I'm sure you remember it perfectly. Petrichor. I think that's a really good word. Yes, petrichor. It's funny that apparently this is a word that's gone out of use because it's a pretty recent word, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It is. So petrichor is the smell of rain. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I thought that was like really recent. I mean, I mean, I don't mean in the last decade, but I mean like within the last 50 years. The idea of petrichor came from 1891. It went, and then a, a, basically a scientist said there's a certain type of smell caused by uh, volatile oils in the earth that when rain hits it, the smell comes out. Then in 1964, a researcher termed the smell petrichor from, so, yeah. ah, okay. from the ancient Greek. Petra, which is our name, and it also means rock. Yeah. And uh, Ihor, which is the ethereal fluid, the blood of the gods. Fantastic. Well, it's definitely a word we should use. It's also a word that's like 60 years old, so it doesn't 
I don't see how it rose and fell that quickly. But No. I, and actually, that's a word that I, I see fairly often on lists of beautiful words. Uh-huh. You know what that's I mean? Right. And there's always some article at some point going, these are words that are just gorgeous. I really, I think it's a beautiful word. Also, that smell really makes you feel happy. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. on, on a hot summer day and then the rain falls. You have that nice smell. I think you, it makes you just, it gives Unless you, really you get a nice caught feeling. in a thunder plump, then it's not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> We should rush to the that next one. The other ones were pedophagor, which I think we've heard. That's like a, a ambulance chaser, in effect. It's a it's uh, a it's okay. a lousy lawyer, cheapy, cheesy lawyer. Yeah. This one, raw gabbit. I've never heard in my life. R a w g a b b i t. A raw gabbit. It's a person who speaks confidently but is ignorant of what they're speaking of. <laughs> I am guilty of sometimes being a raw gabbit, I must admit. Well, you know, there are a lot of words that we use that come, of course, from other languages. That's part of what makes English English, is we take so much from so many different languages. And often we kind of mispronounce those words because we think that we are getting closer to how they ought to be pronounced. So we're going to talk about some of those today. Hyperforeignisms is what uh, you've told me they're called. Fletcher, we're not only talking about hyperforeignisms. They're also really talking about are words that are foreign, that have come into English, and how do you pronounce them? Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you pronounce them and not sound silly? Well, I, that's a tough yeah, one. That, that, yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm not sure that that's an option for me, but. <laughs> I have to say, this one really gets us personally because our mother was famous in the family for oh, doing God. all sorts of faux, trans, faux pronunciations of foreign words to the extent where, I mean, it really sort of hit me when I went overseas and stuff. A lot of times I would say things I thought, well, that's how you thought, I thought you pronounced it, but no, it was not. My favorite was for us. Remember how she used to say Trattoria? Trattoria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vichy Soise, she would do, you do pronounce the O-I-S-E in French, but she would do Vichy Soise. Like right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never forgot I was doing a crossword puzzle with her, and uh, it was like Hitler's girlfriend. So, you know, I said, uh, oh, that should be Ava uh, Brown. And she goes, Ava Braun. <laughs> well, at the time, I had a I had a girlfriend who spoke fluent German, and she was actually, it was her first language. And I said, how do you pronounce Hitler's girlfriend's name? And she said, Ava Brown. I said, not Ava <laughs> Braun. <laughs> said, <"No."> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so we're very sympathetic we're very sympathetic to hyperforidisms i just want to add though sometimes some of the words you put on here are are technically uh people people are just over pronouncing the original language and they, when they came when they were imported into english the pronunciation changed but people are still trying desperately to sound french or italian or whatever mm. mm-hmm we're going to start with the bet noir for Kathy and me. How do you pronounce the word F-O-R-T-E? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, this is one that I guess I know the correct answer to, but I never, ever say it that way. So I, I do know we're talking about like somebody's strength, right? Somebody's strong point. Right. Okay. So I do know that technically it's supposed to be fort, not forte. Right? Correct. Okay, so it should be fort. Like, sword fighting is my fort. Right. But do you guys ever say it that way? 
what I do now is I I usually just say strength. That's yeah. my strength to avoid the problem. But, <laughs> that, that but is we also right. both have done this. We always go, well, that's my fort. Um, you know, we, and then you do a little tiny etymology of the whole word. It should be pronounced fort, even though a lot of people say forte. Anyway, as I was saying, you know, that sort of thing, which at, doesn't at which work point, too well. Most people are bored and I know. what you were saying was your fort. So we went back to just saying strength. Actually, I've got a question for both of you. What's the opposite the exact opposite of fort. Well, it, it, I, I was I was going to start talking about music here for a second and, forte. and say yeah, and, forte. and talk about forte, which means the opposite should be piano. But that's a correct. <laughs> that's what I know. I know forte and piano. I don't know the opposite no the opposite of, fort of, of your in... strength. So your weakness. What it, what is it? Yeah. Well, fort comes from um, a fencing sword, and the fort is the strongest part of the fencing sword. And that's how it came into into English. Oh. However, there's the weakest part of the fencing sword. And if any of you have ever fenced, you might know this. Yeah, right. I fenced. <laughs> <laughs> All the time. <laughs> it's foible, which we do know. Oh, foible. Yes. That's Isn't that so cool? cool? That's really cool. Foible is the part of the uh, sword between the middle and the end. It's the kind of the squishy part of it. It's a little bit It's weaker. Okay, so that makes sense how you then go, oh, I've got these stupid little foibles. I talk too much or whatever. Not that yeah, I do. But, but the one thing that sort of gets me, I'm sort of, is that Fort really is this big strength. Mm-hmm. Foible seems to me sort of like a little weakness, not yeah, a big weakness. That's Doesn't true. That to you all? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So the, this word Fort, F O R T E, is it French? Does it come from French? Yeah, it comes from the French meaning strong. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Whereas the musical term came from the Italian. Right. That's why you've got the different pronunciations. Right, exactly. But let's go backwards some. It originally comes from Latin fortis, meaning strong. <laughs> <laughs> Ross in his lap. But but even uh even people even if someone were to know it came from French, if they didn't really have any other knowledge of French, I could easily see them continuing to pronounce it forte, just not realizing mm-hmm. that that you don't need that. E sound on the end if there's no accent. Right. Correct. Yeah. Well, in French, though, if you had it, if you didn't have the E, it'd be pronounced for. Right, right, F-O-R. right. Sure. Yeah. Which actually, speaking about how the French actually say something, leads us beautifully to the next word, which is spelled F O Y E R. Oh, yes. It means the entrance hall. Yes, the foyer, which, which, <laughs> is, which is how I, 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 do, I do say foyer. That's really interesting. I say foyer. Yeah. Kath, what do you say? I say foyer. <laughs> oh, a plain old foyer gal. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Now, what I want to know is, I mean, why is this a hyperforeignism? I mean, foyer, foyer would be what they say, right? No. Oh. That's the whole thing. It's kind of like a partial Anglicization of the French. It, it, Ross, you're the one who speaks French. I do not. So yeah, I but I pronounce, I, I, I told you, I mean, I was at, uh, my son barely speaks the language. I was in a supermarket and I was ordering all these things and the woman kind of sneers at me as my son pronounced something really well and said, why don't you speak French like he does? I said, he doesn't even speak it. (laughs) (laughs) But it should be something more like foyer. F-W-I-A would be. Foyer. Foyer, yeah. I mean, I I thought that's what I was saying, but perhaps not. (laughs) Well, the the real thing is, is foyer, actually, it got anglicized and then Americanized and it became... Technically correct, when it was entered English in the nineteenth in the eighteen fifties, it was foyer as it's spelled foyer. 
But over time, more and more Americans thought it should sound French because it came from the French. So then you got the foyer and it got really popularized on like all the decorating shows and everything. It sounds classier than foyer. Although let me let me add something here, Kathy. According to a number of dictionaries, though, it still is more common in America saying foyer in, mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in U.S. America. In British and Canadian English, however, it tends to be more commonly foyer. So this is interesting because Fletcher in Kansas is pronouncing it in the British and Canadian English way, and Ross in Canada is pronouncing it the American way. <laughs> so Kathy in Spain is going to call it an entrance hall. <laughs> yes. Well, now we have the next word, N-I-C-H-E. <laughs> Here's another one you're going to tell me I shouldn't be saying this way. <laughs> there is a hyperfarnism with this word. Which I have actually heard. Oh, I'm excited. Which is niche. niche. Niche? No. Yes. Nobody says niche. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do say niche. And I know that uh, people say niche. And that's fine. Like, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me either way. But, but I, I actually do say niche in this case. Yeah, this is a case where I do the opposite. Most people, instead of going for the niche, like Ross, <laughs> not, not that he says it, but that he brought up. Yeah. Uh, some people over-anglicize it and say niche, mm -hmm. and that was considered wrong. I'm a niche girl. I say niche. Mm -hmm. But niche is now seen as very correct. It's widely accepted. Yeah. Yeah, but for years, it was supposed to be niche. I always say niche. I had a girlfriend who spoke, whose first language was French, and she always said niche, and she... For some reason, I think said it every other week because I, in my head, I always say niche. But do you say, how do you pronounce this French word, Fletcher? Oh, okay. So, so this word spelled H-O-M-A-G-E. Well, H-O-M-A-G-E, right. Okay. So this entirely depends on how we're using the word. Let's see. Uh, if, if I'm doing something, then I'm paying homage no, wait, it's an homage. When, when it's a noun, it's an homage to something. When I'm doing something, I'm paying homage to it. Wow, you really have that one. We, we have that as a sentence. He paid homage to him. It was such a beautiful homage. Perfect, Fletcher. Yeah, now do you, you, do you say the H when you say homage? Homage? Do you say? I say homage. I say homage, which is increasingly now it's homage. It used to be more homage. Yeah, okay. I say homage. He paid homage to him. It was a beautiful homage. That's the same with me. But more and more people now are saying homage. Yeah, I'm one of those. Wow. I, I, I'm one. No, I'm one of those people. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys could could hear the distinction there when I said it, but I, I don't pronounce the H in either case. You don't. Okay, no. I didn't hear that. Yeah, so I'm I, I am definitely one of those people. It's interesting though. Initially, it was pronounced because it comes from the Normans, uh, you know, bringing French to English, and they did say homage. But because it was spelled with an H and English, you know, in English, most people pronounce the H, the spelling pronunciation took over. So it became homage as as we say it. Oh, fascinating. But now it's going back to the oddly enough, it's going back to what you're saying. More and more people are saying homage mm -hmm. now. Pay homage. homage. So but that that is that's correct. Like if it's a noun, then it's an homage. Right. But if but mm -hmm. if you're doing something like if it's in sort of the verb form, then you're paying homage or homage yeah that's how we say it i mean that's, yeah it, that's how we say it now that's the general use in english yeah okay it's not necessarily correct or incorrect it's just how they say it but this one is my pet peeve 
Yes. <laughs> okay, Fletcher, how do you, could you zip it over to Fletcher? Yeah, I got it right here. Um, so this is actually three words. Uh, first is C-O-U-P, second word D-E, and last word is G-R-A-C-E, and we have the little uh, accent, is it a circumflex over the A? Circumflex, it's the little, yes. the little thing that looks like a carrot symbol over the A. I only, I mean, it's coup de, coup de, well, coup de grace, coup de grace. Um, I don't know how right. it's. Are, Very good. Are people busy saying coup de grace? I don't really hear that. They're saying coup de gras. Coup de gras. Coup de gras. <laughs> we found that we heard it in Kill Bill Volume 2, Coup de Gras twice. We heard it in a Steely Dan song, and we've heard a lot of people saying it. Oh, wow. Coup de gras. And do you want to know what coup de gras means, Fletcher? Oh, yes. I do know this. Now that you say this, it's like a dollop of fat or something like that. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is a perfect example of true hyperforeignism. It's like someone's trying too hard to make it sound what they consider French. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know, they, they know that, like, you know, usually a drop of final accent or often you do. So it's coup de gras as opposed to coup de grace. Right. Uh, next word, we're doing lots of French words here, which I guess makes sense because we, we all feel like we have kind of an idea of how French words are said, uh-huh. and then we sort of make up the rest of it. Uh, this one, um, some uh, very nice underwear, I suppose. L-I-N-G-E-R-I-E. We all in in English, American English at least, say lingerie. Um, I guess in right. French it ought to we be do. something like lingerie. Lingerie, yes. But who's saying? I mean, who's saying that? You know, I even knowing that that's what you ought to say in French. There's no way I'm going to go around asking for lingerie. No, I think you sound like an idiot if you say lingerie. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hi, I'd like to buy some lingerie for my wife. You know, mm-hmm. just come oh, on. No, no. Years and years ago, when I just had gotten out of college, I started working as an assistant buyer at ANS, which no longer even exists. And in department stores back then, you said lingerie. Did you? That was how it was Lingerie. You always said hmm. lingerie. I, li- I like, how, I like was, you I mean, say I, that. I remember that. Lingerie. Lingerie. <laughs> I like lingerie. it. Lingerie. <laughs> it sounds horrible, but I remember going, oh, yeah, you work in lingerie. <laughs> I think that's more New York accent, though. I'd be really I curious. Maybe it's Brooklyn. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really curious how they pronounced it at those, you know, the, like in, in Seattle or something. Although, I just want to say, speaking of this, because I, I wanted to mention this. We said lingerie, and this is having to do with when I was in high school, I worked at cosmetics counter and, and this is really hyperforeignism i remember estee lauder the brand the other cause of the cosmeticians i was just a sales girl would say estee lauder oh I mean, yeah she was an wow. american oh. you know? wow and they would always, and, yeah and and then ralph Lauren instead of ralph lauren we had his wow. name was ralph lipschitz actually but, um, <laughs> yeah it is I, and he made it ralph lauren but they made one, it ralph Lauren. one second on that yeah i do i I, I am always, or maybe I can just never quite remember whether it's supposed to be Ralph Lauren or Ralph Lauren, but it is Lauren on the first syllable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, though, interestingly enough, as Kathy was saying, uh, Estee Lauder, I didn't, the name is, uh, they think it's uh, from Brit- Breton, and it means washing or bathing place, or Welsh, Lauder, a heap of ruins. But in both cases, the R is definitely pronounced. Yeah, well, now well, you, you got to talk to the ladies at that cosmetics department. I know. Oh, you want some Estee Lauder? Although, I mean, I don't know where the where the name exactly came from. It could be for something else too. Her husband was named Joseph Lauter, L-A-U-T-E-R. Oh, <laughs> we're learning more than we ever wanted to know about Estee Lauder, huh? <laughs> and oh, change it to Estee which Lauder, is, which is a German name. It doesn't mean something like loud or something. I don't know. 
clear pure. No, it means clear pure in German. Ah, that fits with beauty products. Yes, it does. It has cachet. <laughs> oh, speaking of. <laughs> yes, and we have a word that sounds sort of like it. I tell you, Ross, we're hot, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're going to have to type this one out so I can see how you're spelling this. All right, we're spelling this yes. word that Kathy sort of just said. We're spelling this word C-A-C-H-E. Now, I see no, ac- ah. I see no accents anywhere, nor do I see a T on the end of the word. So very good, Fletcher. Yes. <laughs> so this word should be C A C H E should be cash, not cachet. Right. Correct. You've got it. And cash, uh, some a, a a hidden storage of something, right? And it comes from the old French cachet and the modern French cachet, which is to uh, to hide. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas cachet with a T came from the Latin, Ross, did it not? <laughs> Collectare. Yes, it did. <laughs> But that meant more to to press, to constrain, and then from there it evolved. This fascinated me, looking up pronunciation of cash, C-A-C-H-E, um, and we found in Australia, it was common to hear it as cache. Cache. Yeah, because <sighs> this one person in a language um, uh, forum said an American friend of mine pronounces it cash, and, and I, that just sounds so odd. I sort of like cache. I like it. You know what? I'm wondering if people are actually already or are going to be pronouncing this word more correctly, because when we talk about like an Internet browser, sometimes you have to clear your cache, right? Correct. And isn't that what people say? You never say clear your cache. Yeah, you never hear anybody say clear your cache. So I'm wondering if more familiarity with this word. I'm wondering if that's if it's changing already or if it will be changing. That's a really good point. I bet you're right. I bet it's going to be cash for, from now on. I instantly hear when you say clear your cash, it's cash. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I just now thought of that. You're right. I never even occurs to That's me That's a now. really good point, Fletcher. It's going to be imprinted in our minds. Well, we can sing a song about it soon. <laughs> 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 okay. That was a really bad say, segue, I have to say. <laughs> but, oh, nonsense, Ross. It, it was music to my ears. <laughs> ah, very good. <laughs> very good. Because... But this is an interesting word, Fletcher. This uh-huh. is a really interesting word because this is a word that we all mispronounce, or most of us do. I'm curious. Well, if you I do. do. Too. <laughs> I certainly do. I never pronounce it as it's supposed to be pronounced. And I would, when I look at the word, I realize, gee, I am making a mistake. Anyway. Yeah, so this is something uh, many people are very familiar with, especially after they've tipped a few back and are out late at night. K-A-R-A-O-K-E. We all here in the U.S., at least, uh, at least all of us uh, native English speakers say karaoke. Now, obviously, obviously, carry doesn't quite work there, but that's what we say is karaoke. Is this word actually Japanese? Yes. Mm -hmm. It actually is. Okay. And so how, uh, I know neither of you are, are native Japanese speakers or even uh, non-native Japanese speakers. Not even speakers. non-native. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not aware. It's, it's, it's actually as it's spelled. It's karaoke. Karaoke. Yeah. And I want to throw something out here. Fletcher said, is it a Japanese word? Yes, it is, but it has an English aspect to it. Really? It came from karapo, meaning empty or void, and oke from oke sutra or orchestra. Okay is short for orchestra. So it's singing, it's empty orchestra, singing without music. 
Or actually, they say it's singing without music, but you're singing with music. You are, that's so now true. I'm confused. <laughs> well, it's empty orchestra. I think it makes a lot of yeah. sense. That's great. <laughs> but it is interesting when Fletcher said it's a Japanese word. It is a Japanese word, but the orchestra is an English word. Right. That the Japanese took and they shortened it. So it's mm-hmm. sort of a hybrid of English and Japanese. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. It was first. I didn't know this. And now I'm learning it. The first karaoke, karaoke, I can't say karaoke. I'm saying it wrong. I don't care. Was built in 1971. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And it was patented in 1975. Yeah, I figure. I mean, it's relatively recent. It's not a, obviously it's not ancient, but. I mean, what? They didn't have karaoke machines back in the day? <laughs> <laughs> no one well, tells actually, me these things. Actually, in ancient Rome, there's a Latin word for karaoke. Karaoke. You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Network and is produced in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas by me, Fletcher Powell. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Armia, Spain. Ross Petrus from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Torin Anderson composed our theme music and our digital team is Beth Golay, Kate Hutchins, and Carly Cooper. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus.org Petrus at gmail.com. You can find all of their books pretty much anywhere you get books, and a handful of them are also available on audiobook read by the authors themselves. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, we're taking center stage. Introducing NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of Black-led stories from NPR's podcasts. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.